0: Welcome to the Statesman Journal's Explore Oregon podcast. I'm your host, Zach Ness, and in each episode, we highlight Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places. This podcast is brought to you by the American Forest Resource Council, supporting responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest. Learn more at amforest.org. We're also supported by Visit Tillema Coast, A land of ocean and forest just an hour from the Willamette Valley that is focusing this summer on the best way to care for its forests, beaches, and waterways through a promotion that emphasizes cleaning up and leaving no trace. We'll dive into the ways they do that just a little bit later in the show. Finally, the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department encourages Oregonians to enjoy parks safely this summer. If you're camping, Please follow campfire safety guidelines such as keeping the flames from your fire to no more than 2 feet in height and using the fire ring provided at your campsite. And please use local wood to avoid bringing invasive insects into parks. This will help preserve the health of Oregon's forests for seasons to come. Learn more about campfire guidelines at stateparks.oregon.gov. All right, in today's episode, we're traveling to Bigfoot Country, the wilderness areas of Southwest Oregon and Northwest California to explore 10 stunning places that you almost certainly have never visited. But first, here's some guitar music to get us rolling. In this episode, I'm going to repost one of my favorite conversations from this podcast from the past. And this one is one that focuses on the klamath siskiyou Mountains of Southwest Oregon and Northwest California. If you've never been to the klamath siskiyou Range, you are really missing out. The mountains aren't quite as tall as the Cascades, it's true but they're a lot more rugged. There's far fewer people. The forests are some of the most biodiverse on earth and the rivers, creeks, and lakes are some of the clearest in the world. Not only that, you'll see really fascinating geology in action. These are ancient mountains with you know, the remnants of a coral reef forming the crown of a wilderness area in the Marble Mountains. Or even fossils from the ancient ocean, again, right at the top of these mountains that were once at the bottom of the sea. It's a really cool mountain range. And there's also there's good reason this area is known as Bigfoot Country, because if the big hairy guy is really out there, this area is my bet for his location. If you're not convinced, head to the town of Happy Camp a town smack on the black of the border between Oregon and California. And every year it holds a really fun Bigfoot Jamboree that's worth visiting whether you believe or you don't believe. But if I was Bigfoot and I was looking at festivals to show up for, this is the one I would pick. Anyway, so in this conversation, we are going to travel into this unique landscape with a guy named Ryan Gelfie. So he'd been on the podcast originally to talk about the art of fast packing which is basically ultralight backpacking. But what I am going to repost here is our conversation from the second half where we broke down our 10 favorite backpacking routes in the klamath siskiyou range. We've got the Marble Mountains, the Trinity Alps, the Calameopsis, the Red Buttes, the Siskiyou, and more and more. There's a ton of wilderness down there. It's fantastic. As I mentioned in the last episode, this is a pretty good year to go backpacking in the southwest part of the states. And into Northern California. In recent years, this area has often been blanketed in smoke from the California fires. But after, again, that rainfall, that snowpack this past winter, fire danger is still at its lowest in a very long time. So it's a great year to take advantage of this area. If you have, if you remember this episode, again, back from episode 41, I think it's still worth another listen because we throw a lot of really cool places out there. Um, but if you want some new episodes, we're going to have some new ones coming up very soon, but for now, here is Ryan and I breaking down a total of our 10 favorite backpacking trips in the Klamath siskiyou range. And trust me, you will hear about at least one place and probably more that you want to travel this summer. welcome back. In the second half, Ryan and I are going to pick five of our favorite backcountry spots in the wilderness areas of Southwest Oregon and Northern California. It's the place where I got my start in outdoor journalism and I still dream about it every night. But Ryan, what do you love most about this area and why did you pick it to start this fast packing business? Like why is this the best destination for it? Uh, well, so I grew
1: up in Redding, California, which is like, I guess you could say on the southern edge of like the klamath region, and I live in Ashland, Oregon now, which is two hours to the north, right in the heart of this klamath siskiyou region. So, I mean, one really good reason is that I would consider myself fairly well expert in all the wilderness areas of this region, and I'm not, I don't have to travel 12 hours to go <laughs> do our trips. Like, I, I can recon these trips. I can know everything about them. And why is, should anyone come here is... An interesting question you could say why don't you just go to the sierra nevada like they're amazing it's sunny and there's all this granite and i think that for two reasons this uh area is amazing Is one it's more prim it's more remote it's more primitive there's certainly less people overall so if you want to have like a really amazing wilderness experience i mean there's no better place than the klamath siski region at least on the west coast of america it's it's uh it is tremendous and then They're just amazingly jagged, rough mountains with everything you'd want, like clear high mountain lakes, like you're saying, amazingly clear water quality and all of like the rivers coming out of the Klamath mountains. Um, And there's just hundreds and hundreds of miles of trail. It's endless. Like uh, the routes we'll do with my trips are like just touching the tip of the iceberg of what you can do down here.
0: I think that's my favorite thing about this area too, is just that rugged, remote feeling like you can actually hide out there, like you can really get away from people in a way that... I don't think you can in, like you were saying, the Sierras or up here, like in, you know, the Cascade Range, the Three Mm -hmm. Sisters, Mount Jefferson. I mean, those areas are so crowded now that you need this, you know, pretty exotic permit system to get anywhere anymore. But, you know, head down to this area and, you know, you can get away from people in a really, really good way. So, okay. So the plan is that each of us are going to pick five of our favorite backcountry spots in these wilderness areas um so i'm gonna get us started um i'm gonna pick a place that's special to me so my first pick is going to be raspberry lake and preston peak and that is in the Siskiyou wilderness this is reached just south of cave junction and right off redwood highway 199 it's pretty darn close to being on the border of the two states so raspberry lake is the place that made me fall in love with the clam and mountains it's this little turquoise pool wrapped in seeps Steep silver mountains. It's about six miles into the backcountry with some pretty good rainbow and brook trout, trout fishing. So the fishing's pretty good there. Um, I actually invented a sport called log rolling fishing there, where you go out on a log and try to catch a trout. There's a video of me doing this. Anyway, so as much fun as, as it is to camp at the lake, it's even more fun to scramble up the mountains and then make your way up to Preston Peak, um, which is 7,300 feet tall. It's the second tallest mountain in the Siskiyou Range behind just. Mount Ashland. But Preston Peak just feels so much bigger um, because it's, you know, way above everything else around it. It's real remote and way back there. And from the top, you can see everything like you can just see this huge expanse, you can see all the way out to the ocean. Um, and so the combination of those two places, like the little mountain lake, and then this great mountain climb, you know, that isn't, it's not technical, but you know, it's just off trail scrambling. uh, yeah, Siskiyou Wilderness, Raspberry Lake, Preston Peak. Those are, uh, pretty special places for me. Uh, have
1: you been to either one of those? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I, uh, I did a quick little one night fast pack trip in the Siskiyou, uh, anyway, I guess I've been there a few times. I, I was gonna do Preston, like, I got into Raspberry, kind of came from an off trail route, and I was, I just ran out of time. I looked up and I was like, ah, oh, there's no way I'm getting back in time if I go up Preston. So that's like one of my, I wouldn't say regret, it's one of the things on my short list for sure, because Preston's like the most compelling peak in all of the Siskiyou range, no doubt about it. It has the most relief, it's unbelievably steep, it holds snow super late into the year on its big north face. Uh, yeah, it's amazing.
0: <laughs> One cool thing about Preston Peak, and I learned this when I was a, a journalist down there, is that it's actually still being uplifted. So it mm. actually rises like a few centimeters per year or something like that, because the geology of that area, the tectonic plates are still pushing it upward. So you can say that like you can come back every year and say you've climbed it slightly taller than it was <laughs> before. So Anyway, uh, what's, uh, what's your first pick?
1: All right, so I'll do for my first pick, I'll pick the Caribou Lakes Basin, which is in the central Trinity Alps wilderness. It's like the Trinity Alps are kind of a little further south into California, quite close to like Weaverville or yeah, Weaverville is like your jump off point from the south. Anyhow, yeah, so the Caribou Lakes are its probably the most popular place I'll talk about. It is fairly popular, but you have to take an hour drive up mostly dirt road to get to the Traditional trailhead up at a place called Big Flat, and then the climb up to the lakes themselves—it's about a three thousand foot climb. Uh, there's two different trails. There's an old caribou trail and a new one. The new one's more graded and has more switchbacks. The old one is amazing. Like you go straight from five thousand feet up to eight thousand feet up on the shoulder uh with like unadulterated views into the interior of the Trinity Alps. And then you look down into this caribou basin where the lakes, like the biggest of them is quite large. I would say it's got to be at least three quarters of a mile across and just the best color of blue I've ever seen. You know, like, I don't know, it's the kind of place dreams are made of. And yeah. so yeah, it's about 10 miles give or take to get into the lakes from the, the closest trailhead. So it's, it's a good, it's not close, um, but it is popular. Like for the reason that it is just so stunning
0: yeah that's the the one place that i got to before before i left uh living down there um that was the the one lake that i made it into and you're not kidding man like the color and the the contrast to the color of the mountains like it's just it pops like if you take a picture of it, it just like pops off the screen because it's like the silver mountains and this like very turquoise, like beautiful water. Um, Man, it's it's really something. Yeah.
1: You don't have to be a good photographer to get good pictures at that place.
0: <laughs> cool. All right. Well, I'm going to jump into my second pick. And my second pick is in the Red Buttes Wilderness and is Azalea Lake. And this just encapsulates this idea of combining Oregon and California because the cool thing is that you actually start on the Oregon side of the border, and then you cross into California on the trail and make your way to this, across this sweeping valley called Phantom Meadows over a big ridgeline, and then down to Azalea Lake, which in California, you start in Oregon. There's some halfway decent fishing at Azalea Lake, although it's, it's kind of shallow. Um, I have two goofy stories about this place. When I was young and stupid, I, I hauled a Pretty large inflatable kayak, like all the way into the lake, <laughs> so that I could fish from it, and that that worked only moderately well. It definitely was not worth the pain um, of climbing, you know, about two thousand feet, I think, of elevation climb, and mm-hmm. then six miles. Um, and then the second was that, like, it, once you get to Azalea Lake, it's a cool place to backpack. Um, very nice. Um, there's another lake nearby called Lonesome Lake. And on my way to Lonesome Lake about 10 years ago, wasn't paying super close attention. The trails weren't in great shape at that point. And I got pretty seriously lost for about 35 minutes, um, you know, deep in the Red Buttes wilderness. There's just nobody out there. I was by myself. Um, I was just like, oh man, like if they have to send out search and rescue, like my career as an outdoor journalist is like just finished. Um, But yeah, it was about as lost as I've I've ever been, but eventually used the compass to find my way north and and connected with one of the trails. But uh, anyway, if you want to get lost, uh, the Red Buttes is a pretty good place to do it. And Azalea is a great lake to get started.
1: Yeah, I'd have to agree. I love that piece of country too. It's uh, the trails are a little better now, I think, than they were 10 years ago, thankfully
0: yeah yeah and there's different ways to get in there have you ever been down into phantom meadows it's always looked like a cool place to explore in the bottom but the the trail always takes you like right across the top uh i don't
1: think i have this would be like to the west i'm thinking of azalea yeah,
0: yeah i don't know it's just it's just yeah it is to the west it's just that big meadow that mm. you go across it's no. got this huge like glacial like valley in there yeah. i have always thought it'd be fun to get down in there i've always come in from
1: the other side to azalea like along the Boundary Trail uh mm-hmm. yeah no it's amazing country definitely seen fires but even you know, people will say oh it burned i'm not going to go back there but i'll tell you the fires have not ruined that place uh, at all i think it's it's still sh- just as aesthetic as ever
0: yeah that's one thing i got to remember when i talk about this i wrote uh, a guidebook about hiking in this area but it was like over 10 years ago now and so some of my some of my information feels a little bit out of date so it might not look exactly the way it does now anyway well let's uh let's move on to your second pick what you got
1: all right so i try to pick some places that maybe not everybody has heard of or been and i mean maybe people probably heard of this but i'm going to pick the chetco river within the Kalmyopsis wilderness it's not really a point but it is uh So if you haven't been to the Calmeopsis, you're probably not alone. It's not super well-traveled. It's to the west of like Cave Junction in Selma. So like Southwest Oregon. And it's quite a large wilderness. It's 180,000 acres. uh, And it's been really ravaged by fire. Worse than anywhere else I've ever been in my life. (laughs) The fires have been really devastating. And, you know, it used to have big stands of old growth. And now there's just tiny little pockets left and the rest is quite burned. Um, But when you... Go down into the chetco it takes uh, the short way is maybe four or five miles and then there's another another trail that's more like 10 depending on which way you want to go um so you, you start out quite high like up on the ridge line around four or four and a half thousand feet and then the trails drop way down into the drainage which is like just over a thousand so it's pretty big rugged drop you know tough trails but um the color of the water in the chetco i think that was it was just one of the most mind-blowing things to be in this unbelievably scarred and burned landscape. And then to see the most opalescent blue, uh, just untamed river that I've ever been to. And, you know, it's fully encompassed within the wilderness boundary. So there's not like current, you know, logging operations or mines or any sort of uh, human impact within like its entirety in, in the upper reaches of the Chetco. So it's a, uh, it's a river that you have to go to at least once in your life. I think if you if you love that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I feel like the Chetco might be, like, if you were going to pick the most remote river in the western United States, like, the Chetco would have a pretty strong case just based on, like, how far it is out there and, like, everything you have to do to get down to that upper Chetco River, um, man, that's... uh, And when you're in there, like you're you're in there, like you are in raw remote wilderness. Um I know a lot of a handful of people, not a lot of people, will actually bring boats down and uh, float that upper area. and you go through a canyon called like the Magic Canyon. and you know, it's it's about as good as good as it gets.
1: I'd like to do that. I, I mean I need to buy a pack raft before too long. I yeah, being being able to paddle that river would be a, a dream.
0: And I should probably mention, um, he'll kill us if we don't mention it um, at this point, but uh, the Siskiyou Mountain Club, which I know that you're involved with, um, has has been instrumental in maintaining the trails in the Calameopsis because, you know, not only were they hammered by the Biscuit Fire back in 2002, but the Chetco Bar in 2017 mm-hmm. and the Klondike Lake, these trails would have disappeared without the work of our buddy Gabe Howe and the Siskiyou Mountain Club, so important to give them a shout out (laughs) big time i
1: think i think it's not that they would have disappeared i think it's that they basically had disappeared Uh, yeah (laughs) it's it's tremendous yeah it's one of my greatest uh the greatest things i'm involved with is being able to just be a small part of like making it so people can get back in there at now right it's we haven't lost it so i I think it's tremendous
0: yeah. And I mean, you know, if you if you live up in Northwest Oregon and you want to like really get off the beaten path, but still be rewarded with some cool stuff, you know, the calmeopsis, it's about as rugged as it gets out there. Yes.
1: And you don't need a permit. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need definitely don't need a permit.
0: Um, all right. So uh, my third pick here, I'm gonna pick the sky high lakes and the marble rim in the Martin in the marble mountain wilderness. And for me, this is the real centerpiece of of the Klamath Siskiyou. This is like the showstopper wilderness of this area that just brings everything that's amazing about the Klamath Siskiyou kind of into one place. You know, there's alpine lakes, wildflower meadows, really rare species of trees and very biodiverse area. It just has all the things that you can love and it was actually one of the original wilderness areas protected in 1964. The places i'm picking are fairly obvious and they're kind of the more famous of the area the sky high lakes and then marble mountain itself which is sometimes called marble rim but it just the the marble rim has this amazing pearl white crown of a mountain that just sits atop this kind of lush wilderness and the amazing thing about the marble mountains is the geology so it's millions of years ago this was a shallow ocean and then volcanic upheaval brought it up and formed these mountains but you'll actually see like um fossils of ancient like sea creatures like at the tops of mountains which is really bizarre and again it's just pretty cool the sky high lakes themselves are just our cool collection of alpine lakes below craggy mountains um i suspect again that this area has gotten a lot more crowded since my time um, since this is kind of an obvious destination but you know go in there midweek and then explore the whole area like the marble rim and yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I assume you've been to the marble. The marbles quite a bit. Uh,
1: yeah, it is. It's pretty close to where I live right now up on like Siskiyou Summit. And to get to that trailhead, it takes me like an hour and 15 minutes, maybe uh, that yeah, the marble Rim is tremendous. And, uh, you know, the the marble mountains in their entirety. It's like It's another one of these places where you could do, you know, if the trails are in decent shape, which they aren't all. But, you know, you can do a hundred mile loop without even trying to make it up like it's just it's huge it's 300 000 acres almost and uh has more lakes even than the trinity and um, trinity Alps are well known for all its lakes but the marbles actually have more
0: so i'm curious about like have have the marbles become because when i went there like they were known but they mm-hmm. weren't that well known like you were alone a lot of the time and you'd see a few other backpackers but it wasn't that crowded has it has that area seen a big uptick in use like you've seen in other places
1: i would imagine that it has seen a big uptick on a percentage basis, I would still say that you know every time I go there, it it still very much feels like a wilderness experience and certainly nothing like a theme park. And there's people, but I, I don't think it's, it, it doesn't take away from the experience at this point. Although, you know, in the future, you know, like all these places, the, these really amazing places, they're going to eventually have to limit how many people can go there and have permit systems and stuff. And I think we're still quite a number of years out from that uh yep. down here
0: gotcha well that's that's good to hear um all right so what do you got for your third pick? all right
1: so I, it's so hard to pick five you're like if i pick five and i'm like all right this is gonna be tough so <laughs> i try i'm picking again places i think that i think are just tremendous that maybe people haven't been so this one is called the uh the boundary trail in the southern siskiyou wilderness so the siskiyou wilderness which you talked about preston and, and raspberry lake which are on the farther north end of the Siskiyou wilderness um what's cool about the Siskiyou wilderness is it's about 50 miles end-to-end uh uninterrupted wilderness you know no roads um so it's quite large it's 180,000 acres and on the very southern end it's seen very very little people uh hiking very few very few backpackers mostly the trails have not been great and they have improved recently thanks to our friend Gabe and many many others but um the Southern Boundary Trail—it's, yeah—it's you know, it, just a piece of trail. It's all on high ridges, between you know forty-five and fifty-five hundred feet. You can see to the ocean. You know, it's quite close to that coast actually, um, and it's just unbelievably rugged. And you get the that feeling of vastness is just overwhelming on on that trail. And it's, it's super primitive. It's not like this is a buttery groomed trail. Like you still have to kind of look for Karens and it's not all, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, it you, it's very much a trail, but it, it's not, um, it, it doesn't feel like this place has been used very much. And I had the privilege of taking like this group of maybe seven or eight people. And we did a trans Siskiyou run. This was a one day run where we got van supported and got dropped off in the North end and went all the way to the, basically clear to the south end and this boundary trail was the last stretch and uh you know it's like i'm like oh 10 miles that part was only 10 miles i was doing all the math i'm like this should work out and it turns out you know uh it was very very hard trail and the last people finished around one in the morning all in high spirits (laughs) they were actually all really psyched about it but uh it's a super tough trail (laughs)
0: yeah i i love what you mentioned about you know still needing to look for like karens and stuff like that because that that brings me back to my time exploring mm-hmm. this part of uh these wilderness trails some of them they're so hard to see and you can just get lost like if you miss like a few markers or like the trail just disappear on you so but man you feel like you're out there the boundary trail is is a very cool one
1: I'm Andy Geisler. I'm a forester at the American Forest Resource Council, and we're proud to sponsor the Explore Oregon podcast. Like you, I love the outdoors. On many days, the forest is my office. I work on the ground with public lands agencies on good forest management projects. Forest management helps achieve important conservation goals while providing sustainable timber. Science-based forestry helps improve wildlife habitat, outdoor recreation, clean air, and water. And it's essential to providing renewable, climate-friendly wood products. Learn more about us at amforest.org.
0: This message is brought to you by Visit Tillamook Coast. On the Tillamook Coast, we've cared for our forests, farmlands, beaches, and waterways for generations. It's in our DNA and we bet it's in yours too. While visiting, help us care for our coast. Place trash in garbage cans, pick up after your pet, stay on trails, respect private property, and follow beach fire rules, which means extinguishing fires with water while also checking local rules to avoid igniting wildfires. Tilma Coast welcomes your visit and we hope that you'll become a temporary local while here. A few ways to do that include pitching in on a beach cleanup or taking a guided kayak tour to hear about ways to protect bays and rivers. There are science hikes to take, nature preserves and marine reserves to explore, or you can visit a farm, a commercial fishing dock, or even stop by a fish hatchery. Find out about all these options and how to care for our coast at TillamookCoast.com/caring-for-our-coast. Once again, it's TillamookCoast.com slash caring for our coast. Um. All right, so for my fourth pick, um, I am going to head to the Calmeopsis Wilderness. And I had trouble picking... One, I was going to go with Vulcan Lake, which I thought about for a little bit, which is this amazing alpine lake that really feels like you're on a, on a different planet. It's just this burnt orange rock and then this bright turquoise lake. But it's also a really short, pretty easy place to get to. So I think my official pick has to be the Illinois River Trail. And this is, you know, a 28 mile, very rugged route that ostensibly follows the Illinois River, which is one of the wildest rivers on the West Coast. But the trail goes all over the place, like high up very, very high mountains and then down. And in a few places you get along the the river uh, at a place called Pine Flat, which is one of my favorite places to just backpack into for like, you know, one night and and really feel like you're getting out there. Um, There's, you know, places you can swim or you can fish for uh, winter steelhead and stuff like that. But yeah, the Illinois River Trail—it just brings you up mountains and then back down, and past like amazing tributaries, like the Indigo uh, Creek and Silver Creek. There's just an amazing array of things to see on the Illinois River Trail. It makes a great backpacking trip. The thing that's probably most famous for is rare wildflowers. So the Calamopsis leuciana, for which the uh, the wilderness derives its name from, is fine. here. It's this little, cute little uh, pink plant that isn't really stick out until you kind of look at it more closely and it's it's really beautiful It blooms in the spring uh there's a lot of famous uh darlintonia or the the cobra lilies so these are the insect eating plants that uh, kind of curl up and just look look like a cobra in these like fens along the trail and so they're pretty cool so if you're into rare plants and you want to get away and you want to see some really wild rivers it's pretty tough to go wrong with the illinois river trail it's definitely one of my favorite backpacking experiences like overall bar none
1: that's awesome i'm I'm going out there in a few weeks to i'm putting on just a little impromptu it's like a 20 mile sort of lollipop loop run with maybe five or ten people and we're so we're going to go to pine flat and then up this florence way trail and back down the illinois river trail so i'm real excited to uh start dipping my toes into that northern end of the calmeopsis
0: Boy, when you go up the Florence Way, you, I, I mean, you're, you're in amazing shape. So you're in better shape than I was. I was hauling one of those 50 pound packs oh, up the Florence Way. Yes. And, and <laughs> so there's no shade either. Um, because you know, a lot of this area, uh, burned it, I should mention this was, you know, heavily impacted by the various wildfires, mm-hmm. but I just got, I just got baked. Like by the time I got up to the little spring at the top, I was just like, Oh man, I'm like th- this trail won. Like I did not win. That.
1: Um, <laughs> it's. Yeah. I think it's about three thousand foot climb in three miles. It's brutal. Yeah, it's, it's totally brutal.
0: So steep. Um Also, I mean, for those who are interested in you know the history uh, of the area, that area, that Florence Way area is um, where the Biscuit Fire originally started. So it was originally the Florence Fire, and that's that area is right where it started. Wow. So um you know it became a 500,000 acre fire but that's that's where it got its where it starts. Mm. so kind of maybe an infamous spot too <laughs> right well I didn't know that that's pretty that is pretty cool to know
1: uh, all right so we are on to your fourth pick correct number four so I'm gonna talk about a place uh near and dear to my heart I mean might not think of it as a wilderness but Mount Shasta actually is mostly encompassed by wilderness. You know, this, the big fourteen thousand foot alpine volcano in far northern California. So if you'd climb it, like people often do from the southwest side, uh, it's very busy. It's in the wilderness technically, but there'll be hundreds and hundreds of people on a weekend all going up Avalanche Gulch, um, which is great. I mean, I it's a I love climbing that route as well. So <laughs> if you want a wilderness experience on the mountain, um, and actually probably the easiest way to climb the summit if you wanted to it's on this uh a route called clear creek on the southeast side so you drive around through mcleod and then up some dirt roads around to the east and uh i think my favorite part about the clear creek side of mount shasta is you hike in on a trail you're in the woods initially and then at about nine thousand feet you kick into the you know above tree line into the alpine and there's this water that just comes right up out of the mountain and it's, it, it creates this creek that just bubbles up out of nowhere. And within like a foot and a half or two feet of the banks of this creek, that's just lush green meadow surrounded by volcanic rock. Nothing else is growing particularly except right along this you know spring-fed creek. And so people will camp nearby there. That's often like a base camp for people to climb the rest of the way, which actually is not very technical, people do it in, you know, hiking boots and you don't actually need crampons and ice axe. So, uh, even just, I've taken my kid, my little kids we will go backpacking and we'll just go to that clear Creek camp at 9,000 feet. And it's one of my favorite places anywhere.
0: Wow. That sounds fantastic. I mean, Mount Shasta, as far as like really scenic mountains, man, it's really hard to beat Mount Shasta. Like, um, so I'm curious about this area, like how can you drive all the way up to like a trailhead that accesses it mm-hmm. fairly close? You said you did it with your kids, so oh, yeah. it can't be that hard. Oh, this is
1: super easy to get to. And this is, uh, yeah, I mean, you don't, the, the road's not super good, but I mean, a passenger cars do it all the time. You know, it's maybe 10 miles on dirt road. The trailhead's at 7,000 feet and to hike in on, it's a very good trail to go from that 7,000 foot trailhead to that 9,000 foot camp I was talking about. It's like mm-hmm. two and a half or three miles one way
0: man, that's fantastic. So, yeah,
1: you don't have to climb the mountain at all. You know, like that's a super worthy, like the views camping there is tremendous. I think you have to have some guidelines on your tent. Like winds can kick up. Like you don't want to, <laughs> you don't want to be caught without a little bit more of a, a sturdy sort of tent or just sleep. You know, if you can just sleep out too, but like the winds can kick up at any time.
0: Very cool. Well, I'm putting, I'm putting that one on the list for sure. I need to get back down to the uh, Mount Shasta area. That, that's, that's an incredible area. <sighs> All right, so I'm going to take us home here. This is my fifth and final pick. And man, like you were saying, like just picking five was really difficult. And I almost hate to pick this one f- just because I love it so much. And I, I almost hate <laughs> to put it out there more than I have to. But like if we're talking about this area, I can't not mention it. So my final pick is going to take us back to the Siskiyou Wilderness uh, to a place that's very close to my heart. And it is called Devil's Punch Bowl. Now, if that name sounds familiar, it's because there is a similarly unique place on the Oregon coast that we've actually talked about on this podcast before. But if you're going to have a contest between the two Devil's Punch Punchbowls, um, this place wins hands down. It's basically an alpine lake that it almost feels like it's been like scooped out of the mountains. Like if you had an ice cream scoop and then you saw a full mountain range and just like scooped out a little spot, um, that's Devil's punch bowl. It's just this little emerald spot and it's just surrounded by these you know silver cliffs on all sides it's just this giant rock cathedral that you have to rock walk into and hike into to find it again i think the crowds have uh, gotten bigger since i was here um and it's not an ideal place to camp like there's no firewood there's only a few spots but you know it's if you want to get down there and see something really scenic um and be you know leave no trace um Devil's Punch Bowl is such an amazing place. One of my favorite stories, I actually, back in the day, I did put a tent on the shore. And so I went to sleep that night. And all of a sudden, it seemed like somebody like turned on the lights. Like, I'm outdoors in the wilderness. And it was this bright light all of a sudden came mm-hmm. on. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. So I got out. And there was just this crazy, eerie light over everything. And what had happened was the moon was full. Moonlight bounced off all that bare rock so much so that it, it like the whole area was almost glowing and it was just this really surreal experience. Cause you have the ink black Lake and then this eerie like silver light over just everything. And, um, anyway, so devil's punch bowl, Siskiy wilderness, not an easy trip, uh, fairly steep, but also not that hard to get there. And, um, yeah, I, you, you must've been to devil's punch bowl.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I have, I think, you know, like you're talking about the crowds and stuff, you know, so one, it, it, one way you could do it is if you had some time, you know, hiking in from like the Clear Creek Trail so you could start somewhere else and camp along this amazing creek. I'm sure there's good fishing in Clear Creek. I, don't, I think it's pretty unobstructed to the Klamath. Anyways, you could do a day hike up to Devil's Punch Bowl very easily. I shouldn't say easily, but it's not very far from that Clear Creek. So if you want to avoid crowds, at least at this point, it's a lot less crowded camping down on Clear Creek and then hiking into Devil's Punch Bowl than trying to go straight there and camp
0: yeah i think that's the way to do it like if you're gonna make it part of a trip that's definitely the way to do it um, mm-hmm. it's doable in like a, a day trip too i think you know, oh yeah it's like it's only like 10, 10 miles out and back or something mm-hmm. like that that's right it's actually you know it, I'm, again i'm dating myself but the first time i went up there i think was with the old trail which dropped down much lower and made for a much steeper climb up to the top right um, the newer trail is quite a bit easier i think hmm Anyway, so where, where you? All right, take us home. Uh, we have one, one, <laughs> one more pick left. What you got?
1: So again, I'm not going to stick with my, you know, I'm not just going to hit you with more Trinity Alps or marble mountains. These are places that like are more popular and uh, they're tremendous. But this place that our my fifth one is going to be in the South Warner wilderness, which is basically in the exact far Northeast corner of California, essentially on the Nevada border. Um, this Warner, this South Warner mountains, uh, they're actually quite high. They top out almost at 10,000 feet. It's much more like in that fault block sort of, uh, desert basin range, uh, paradigm. So more and there, there's more Aspens. There's, uh, it's more high desert, but the, when you get up into the higher altitudes, the, it, it's just a tremendously beautiful place. The views are endless. I mean, there's still forest, but it's very open. And then, uh, so I'm going to, pick this place called Patterson Lake which I only have ever been to once you know it's a little bit of a drive it's maybe three and a half or four hours from where I live to get out to this trailhead um but it sits right below the highest peak in the South Warners and it's just this like on the west side it slopes gradually right like the Sierras do like a lot of mountain ranges do it's gradual gradual and then the east side of the South Warners it think it, the whole range it just drops off in these multiple thousands of feet cliffs stacked on top of each other and there's there's this Patterson Lake is just this amazing color of blue, perched quite quite near the top, and it's very big. And you wouldn't think, hey, I'm in essentially this high desert. You don't p- picture those lakes being out there, and there there's some. This is one that's a real gem, and I'm sure people go there, but I think it's pretty lightly traveled still.
0: Gotcha. What is the closest town there? So, like hmm. if you were gonna go there, like what 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 region are we talking about? Right.
1: Uh, if you've ever heard of a town called Alturas, that's the closest town. Or to the north, Lakeview, Oregon is maybe an hour to the north, hour and a half to the north.
0: Gotcha. So it's really you really have that like kind of high desert feel out there.
1: Uh-huh. It is. It's to me, it's total diamond in the rough. I've done some backcountry ski trips out there. I mean, it's just a place no one go thinks to go, but for trails and backcountry, you know trips it's uh it's pretty rad i'm gonna i'm gonna hopefully have a permit to do some guided fast packing trips out there if not this year then next
0: well very cool that's that's actually a great way to end the podcast with this place that i've never even heard of um so um i appreciate you taking some time to uh talk through the idea of fast packing what it brings to the table and the business that you are going to offer this coming summer um, and then talk about my favorite place on earth, the uh, Southern Oregon and Northern California wilderness areas. So thanks so much for taking the time, man.
1: Hey, thanks a lot for having me. This is super fun. I, uh, I like you. I, I can talk about this stuff forever. So uh, hopefully you can get back down here soon.
0: All right. Sounds like a plan. Take it easy. Thanks. All right. One quick note before we wrap up. Uh, Ryan has moved on and is now the executive director of the Selway Bitterroot Frank Church Foundation over in Idaho. So we wish him the best in that new adventure. His business, Wilderness Fastpacking, is not doing trips in 2023, but anyone interested can check back in 2024 according to his website. All right, well, that's about all the time we have left in today's show. If you liked what you've heard, check out our catalog of more than sixty episodes featuring Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places at statesmanjournal.com/explore, along with Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. We'd once again like to thank our sponsors, beginning with the American Forest Resources Council. AFRC supports responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest for our environment, for our economy, and for the future. Learn more at amforests.org. We'd also like to thank Visit Tillamook Coast. If you want to plan a trip out there, you can check out their outdoor recreation map that shows all the places to hike, swim, boat, and camp. You can find that map at tillamookcoast.com recreation hyphen map. Once again, that's tillamookcoast.com recreation hyphen map. And thanks to the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department, which stresses the importance of recreating responsibly and leaving no trace in Oregon's outdoors. Thanks for listening. And we hope you'll join us next time for the next edition of the Explore Oregon podcast.